They called us deplorables. They shut down our country. They say our thoughts are disinformation. Our response, the Rob Carson Show. It is Rob Carson Show, Monday edition. Did you have a wonderful weekend with your family? I hope you did. I don't know where you live, but uh, where I live in uh, the middle of the Midwest, the uh, the breadbasket of America, it's starting to feel like fall. And you know what? I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for this election. I'm ready for uh, the apple cart to be uh, upset uh, and, and I'll just say uh, right now, here's what you need to focus on. These four uh, w- uh, letters, EOTP, eyes on the prize, EOTP, eyes on the prize. You're going to get distracted. You're going to get uh, bummed out. You're going to get told that, uh, you know, Donald Trump is going to be arrested imminently because he's so evil, even though they've been going after him for six years and nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. Just two failed impeachment attempts, uh, two uh, att- well, one attempted stolen election, then one uh, successful stolen election with the help of the FBI in 2020. But you know what? The truth wins, and good wins. And if it didn't, then uh, Hitler's nephew would be the chancellor of Nazi Germany in 2022. But he ain't, is he? So there you go. 9/11 happened on a weekend. 9-11 happened yesterday, and, and I didn't post a lot on it yesterday on social media just because, you you, you know, I wanted you uh, to think of the day on your own terms, how it affected you, how it affected me, how it impacted others. For my generation, Generation X, it essentially was, and for all generations, don't get me wrong, but my generation was in their, oh, you know, their 20s and 30s. I was in my early 30s, new father, when 9-11 happened. So it was our Pearl Harbor, to some degree. And we can't take our eyes off that prize either. Uh, We cannot forget that there are people who uh, still want us dead. They still want our real estate. They still want your family dead. And when you see things like uh, this headline yesterday, Taliban now controls more territory in Afghanistan today than they did before 9-11. And it's true. It's true. 2001, 20 years ago, Taliban had less territory in Afghanistan than they do in 2021. And this time, they have $85 billion in our equipment. And they are talking about the Taliban rising, by the way. And uh, would that surprise anybody? And Joe Biden pulled our troops out unceremoniously. Never before, not in Lebanon. Forces just cut and run. We left behind hundreds of U.S. citizens, tens of thousands of Afghan allies, and we left a whole lot of military equipment. That's an indignity. That's one of those indignities that have been suffered upon us. The uh, Department of Homeland Security Inspector General has issued a bombshell report that accuses Joe Biden's administration of resettling Afghan nationals who were not fully vetted across the United States. Following the U.S. Armed Forces withdrawal from Afghanistan in August of 2021, Biden opened a humanitarian parole pipeline that has resettled more than 86,000 Afghans in American communities, many of whom were not screened or interviewed in person. <clears throat> 
The report states that uh, we determined some information used to vet evacuees through the U.S. government databases, such as name, date of birth, identification number, and travel document data was inaccurate, incomplete, or missing. As a result, DHS may have admitted or paroled individuals into the United States who pose a risk to national security and the safety of local communities. According to the DHS IG investigators, Biden's DHS did not always have a critical data to properly uh, screen, vet, or inspect Afghan ev- evacuees arriving at part of the massive Afghan resettlement uh, operation. Now, for those of you my son's age, who's 22, 21 years ago is a lifetime ago. For me, it was uh, about a, you know about half of a lifetime, a little bit more than a half a lifetime ago. And I'm never going to forget it, and I never will. I'll never forget what it meant. I remember when my, my son was 18 months old after 9-11, and, and uh, we used to watch the news in the kitchen. We had a little TV in the kitchen, and, and, I, and I watched nonstop the footage of 9-11, obviously. And my son, one night at 18 months old, walked into our master bedroom crying, and he said, the building fall down, Dad, the building fall down. He was 18 months old. I'll never forget it. I know you won't ever forget it. Washington, D.C., at least the Democrat side of the uh, political equation, seems to have forgotten it. And, and they're even equating uh, January 6th protesters who were led into the Capitol building after being infiltrated by 14 left-leaning groups, according to Newsweek. They're equating that. On top of the narrative that Joe Biden espoused uh, two weeks ago that Donald Trump supporters are uh, fascists. Fascists. So they're using one of the most sacred possible tragedies in American history as a cudgel against their present opponents, which is, um, and it's disgusting, it's sickening, and it's, it's uh, nonsense, it's falderal. And they're going to get their, uh, they're going to get their arses kicked in November. And we're not going to forget it. Yesterday I was watching uh, NFL football for the first time unencumbered by kneeling players, people complaining about the national anthem. And I saw players' arms embraced, and I saw a couple of versions of the national anthem. But for the first time in a while, I really listened to the national anthem. Now, we have friends over normally. I insist that we're watching football. Everybody shut up during the national anthem. And uh, we don't have a lot of friends here, unfortunately, so uh, I watched the the game by myself. (laughs) But the national anthem, uh, for the first time in in uh, a while, I uh, I shed a tear yesterday. Did you? I saw one. I, I'm not sure if this was before the Kansas City game, but this this baritone came on and he sang, and he just blew the roof off the stadium. And then yesterday, the uh, Jets versus the uh, the Ravens, the uh, the microphone kind of cut out. I want you to listen to this because you know what. On 9-11, I also heard another story. Over 70% of both sides of the equation, I heard it reinstated, I've been talking about it a couple weeks, over 70% of both sides of the political equation believe the country is going in the wrong direction. And the reason being is because there's a man in the White House that the American people realize is a charlatan, is uh, mentally addled, and his policies and the madness surrounding the leftist class of the 1968 the, the, that, the, all of the things that are going on in American schools with CRT, with everybody's a racist and all this nonsense and all this transgender nonsense. People realize the country is going off the rails. And 
we love our country. We don't hate it, like academia has been saying and still are trying to say, but we're, I think we're kind of moved on. Now we're ready to go to battle on the 8th of November and take it back. But I want to play a little bit of the uh, anthem yesterday at the Jets and Ravens game. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we Really, 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 really cool. And I don't think it was just because of 9-11. I think it was uh, people are just tired of the abuses and usurpations. It was never a bad thing to not. Uh, uh, the, the, the national anthem, standing for the national anthem, weeping during the national anthem was never a bad thing. It never was. Some people tried to make it that way, but you just kind of weathered the storm. And now we're back. We're back. I felt really good. Just felt really good yesterday. I was watching football. The, uh, the air was crisper. It was 59 degrees when I went out yesterday morning. It just felt good. It felt like maybe the heat of the summer, maybe the heat of the last couple of years, we could uh, sweep that behind us to some degree. But we still have a lot of fighting. EOTP, man. Eyes on the prize. Got to keep the uh, eyes on the prize. And, and uh, so... Today on the show, I'm going to talk a little bit about a couple of Democrats hijacking the memory of 9-11 and those lost and uh, turning it against political opponents, which uh, honestly, every day, regardless of what they say, I'm going to come in optimistic. I'm going to come in feeling good about the country, the direction of the country. I know we're going to turn it around. We have to. We absolutely, we have to. One other note on 9-11. Last night, for the very first time in a very long time, I watched CBS TV. And I was talking to this, my, my wife because, uh, you know, NBC's getting ready to cut their, uh, uh, after late night, they're getting rid, of, get, getting rid of regular programming because nobody's watching it. And I decided after the football game, after the Chiefs just clocked, just won yesterday, gigantically yesterday over the Cardinals, not a big surprise. But um, uh, I noticed that, um, uh, that CBS was doing this thing on 9-11 and, and, uh, and I, it, it reignited my uh, intense interest in it, obviously. But the, it, this is about the fire department in New York City. I thought it was amazing. Uh, the fire department in New York City, 700 officers responded to the, uh, to the uh, attacks on the twins, uh, Twin Towers, and 350 didn't survive. And the amazing thing that many of you may not know is that they, they had this sort of lottery to decide who was going to go into the towers to rescue people. And uh, those who were chosen to go in the towers knew they were going to die. 350 men went into the towers to rescue people, knowing full well there was a really, really good chance they were going to die. And they went in, and they did. And the amazing thing 
what those men did in their final steps on earth, their final breaths on earth. They rescued 98% of the people below where the jets hit. They rescued 98% of the people below where the jets hit because there was no saving the people above that. EOTP, eyes on the prize. Eyes on the prize. 800-922-6680, Monday edition of the Rob Carson Show. Back in a few. SS Bitanic sets sail on January 20th, 2021. Now she's taking on water in a big way. It's the Rob Carson Show. It is Rob Carson Show. We've got uh, plenty of audio coming up from uh, Hillary Clinton talking about uh, 9-11 and saying that uh, Trump supporters are as bad as the 9-11 hijackers. You know, you could say that stuff. You could shoot her mouth off and everything. Nobody believes that nonsense except for, you know, MSNBC and CNN, I guess. But, uh, you know, 9-11, of course, the 21st anniversary yesterday. I was thinking about this. You know, my my generation, Generation X, this was our our, uh, Pearl Harbor, effectively. It really was because we were of uh, a fighting age uh, when 9-11 happened. And we did, and we did. And it's so interesting to me because I'll see these uh, hats. And it's strange for me as a um, guy in his mid-50s to see guys in their mid-50s and 40s wearing hats saying Desert Storm veteran. You know, isn't that that wild? It's kind of crazy, but we did it. We stepped up. Uh, the country stepped up, and we will never forget. I decided this weekend that I was going to hijack a, uh, a a theme, an anthem of the class of 1968. One of those, uh, one of those. Uh, what was it? Uh, there was a there was a TV commercial around. It was uh, like a rebellion rock or something that they used to sell on television. And I decided to take this song and uh, and kind of plug in some new lyrics for what life is like in America in 2022. For what it's worth, if you will. This is Jim Gossett, by the way. There's something happening here. Got a press with a brain that's not clear. Yeah, a little cloudy there. Yeah. He's got floods where they used to be here. <laughs> Shaking hands when nobody's there. Think it's time to stop. Hey, what's that sound? Vice Democrats are going down. November the 8th. Eyes on the prize. The left is in disarray <laughs> November 8th should be a big day We could win big, but we must be aware Voter fraud will occur everywhere Time to stop, hey, what's that sound? Five Democrats are going down <laughs> Freedom Rock, that's it, it was Freedom Rock <laughs> FBI as corrupt as they come How do I know? Cause I'm not dumb I'm not stupid We must make them pay They weaponize the DOJ Time to stop Hey, what's that sound? Devs are being run in the ground Stop Hey, what's that sound? Their policies will be unwound Stop. Hey, what's that sound? <laughs> Run them out of D.C. town. 
We will see November the uh, November the 8th is coming up. So make sure to uh, vote in person. If you're going to vote early, vote in person. If you're going to vote uh, on the day of, vote in person. Do it. And uh, and remember, your cell phone, this little uh, marvelous device, I know it's kind of hard to believe that thing. It's called a smartphone. It has a phone feature. Maybe you haven't used it in a while. It's a supercomputer. But it also is a marvelous tour for journalism. So if you see anything uh, weird like people stuffing ballot boxes, uh, take some video. Will ya? Will ya? Here's uh, Hillary Clinton yesterday talking about 9-11 and using her typical kind of, uh, well, she's, you know, she's an elite, uh, using her typical uh, passive-aggressive fashion to not uh, really kind of look beyond memorializing all the death that happened that day and, uh, and paint uh, Republicans in the same fashion as the 9-11 terrorists. What's going through your mind today, 21 years later? Well, Dana, um, every uh, time we approach September 11th, I do think about everything that I saw, all the people that I met, the families of those who lost loved ones. So it is indelibly um, part of my uh, memories, and I feel grateful that um, we were able to come together as a country at that really terrible time now here she goes she's gonna gonna turn this thing around they're gonna twist up some words and make uh make uh, the current uh, supporters of donald trump into the enemy we put aside differences i wish we could find ways of doing that again we rebuild you know like the for the four years that you screamed that the election had been stolen new york uh, we have done our best. Yeah, you rebuild New York, and then uh, the uh, de Blasio destroyed it, and it's still now a hellhole, and the new mayor, mayor's not doing much better. We take care of the families that lost so much on that terrible day, and we have also, I think, um, been reminded... Uh, oh here we go, here we go. Um, ...about how important it is uh, to try to deal with extremism of any here we go this is the money shot kind uh, especially when it uses violence to try to achieve political and ideological uh, goals now um again she is talking about and what they've been trying to do the last couple weeks is uh uh say that uh january the 6th as they've been saying and from the very beginning i said that january 6th was uh was nonsense uh, as far as the hundreds of millions of dollars in damage and the the you know a violent overthrow of the government that never happened that was nonsense people were led into the building that will be investigated it will come out in the wash but but here she she is she's attempting to say that it was as bad as uh, 9-11 and nothing could be further from the truth because nobody is signing up by the way to fight MAGA Republicans like they did versus the Taliban so I'm one who thinks that uh, there are lessons still to be learned from what happened to us on 9-11 that we should be very aware of uh, during this time in our country and the world's history. Yeah, here is uh, Senator you, you Mark. Mentioned Oops, sorry. Hold on one second. We'll be fine. This is uh, Mrs. Mark Warner. He's a senator from uh, Virginia, and he seems like a really nice guy. I met him a few years ago. We worked at a, uh, a charitable fundraiser, and I uh, was uh, dealing blackjack, and he was there. Seems like a really uh, nice person, you know, and almost disarming. Well, he said things that even worse than that about January 6th protesters. I'll play some of the audio on that. Also, uh, Joe Cancer, uh, Joe Cancer, Joe Biden is cancer moonshot. He's paring that down. He said he was going to uh, cure cancer in his administration. Now he's saying, "Now nah, we're not going to be able to do that." But I'll tell you what, we're gonna we're gonna slash the number of cancer deaths in half within 25 years, which private industry has already done the last 25 years. Thought so you should know they'll continue to do it without the government. But Joe Biden's going to try and own cancer anyway. That's coming up. Here's the number if you want to call in 800-922-6680. This is the Rob Carson Show. 
Hey, it's Rob Carson for Stamps.com. The holiday season has a way of sneaking up on us. If you're a small business owner, you know how important it is to be ready for the insane holiday season. And if you haven't started preparing for the chaos of holiday mailing and shipping, you're already falling behind. Luckily, Stamps.com has everything you need to make your whole life a whole lot easier. It's the 24-7 post office that you can access from anywhere. No lines, no traffic, no hassle. Stamps.com is your one-stop shop for all your shipping and mailing needs. For over 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Get access to the USPS and UPS services you need to run your business right from your computer. With inflation on the rise, every dollar counts. Protect your margins with major discounts on USPS and UPS rates. Up to 86% off. So get ahead of the holiday chaos this year. Get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with the promo code NEWSMAX for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the page and enter code NEWSMAX. That's Stamps.com. Enter code NEWSMAX. It's a Monday edition of the Rob Carson Show uh, after 9-11, and, uh, and I just brought this up today because I wanted to make some observations about 9-11 and how, of course, we could never forget and how it was my uh, generation's Generation X, the last uh, analog generation, who kind of just, uh, we, we essentially went to college, we got out of college, we had kids, we went through the, uh, uh, you know, the day-to-day life of, uh, of life, and now some of us are, uh, you know, in our 40s and 50s, and, and 9-11 was our Pearl Harbor. 9-11 was what caused our generation to sign up. 9-11 was what caused Pat Tillman to sign up. Despite being a player for the Cardinals yesterday, I saw during the game they have a uh, they have a, a statue for uh, Pat Tillman outside of the stadium because he signed up for uh, for uh, service because he realized that the country was in danger. Uh, whether or not that would happen today, I don't I don't know. I don't know if uh, millennials would would do it or not. I'm really not sure. I'm not sure if Gen Z would do it right now if we had another 9/11. But uh one thing that is happening is that Democrats are trying to make it seem like there are people in our country who are the political opposition of the Democrat party that we are as bad as those people and that to me is really thoroughly sickening to be quite honest. I had a, a friend, his name's Jerry, and he was a TV anchor and uh when 9/11 happened, he was about my age, mid 30s at the time. And he, despite being in his mid-30s, he signed up for the military. I think he was when he did sign up, he was 38 or so. And, And he became a medic. And he went over and he served tours in uh, in Afghanistan. He was a medic, and he ended up having um, a brain injury, a concussive brain injury, meaning that an explosion went off near him. I have another friend named Brian who was a National Guard uh, trooper, and uh, he was uh, a cabbie when I met him in Minneapolis in the 90s, and he was in the National Guard. He had the same thing, concussive uh, brain injury. My friend Jerry doesn't remember anything about uh, uh, the early days of our friendship. He does know me as his good friend, but he did. He signed up, and he became became a medic. And that was that. That was Generation X. That was the generation that uh, the last generation that uh, that saw the threat to the United States and uh, and signed up for it like they did in World War Two. Nothing against boomers and nothing against those who who signed up for the Vietnam War or were drafted into the Vietnam War. I don't want to take away anything away from them because they served as valiantly as anyone 
the left just choose to demonize them. This is Senator Mark War- Warner yesterday talking about uh, September the 11th and the Democrats using this sacred day to demonize Republicans. And our country came together in many ways. Um, we defeated the terrorists because of... The- he's going he's gonna to passively say, oh, yeah, yeah, we all came together together, but now things are different because of those evil Republicans. Resilience of the American public because of our intelligence community. And we are safer, better prepared. Um, are we really? Are we really? I don't think so. Because, you see, we just pulled out of Afghanistan, and Joe Biden let uh, dozens and dozens of, of very dangerous people into the country without vetting them from Afghanistan. And then the southern border there, Marky Mark. The stunning thing to me is here we are 20 years later, and the attack on the symbol of our democracy was not. Here we go. This, this is just amazing, isn't it? Coming from terrorists, but it came from literally insurgents attacking the Capitol on January 6th. Yeah, the the FBI even said it wasn't an insurgency. So I believe we are stronger. I believe our intelligence community has performed remarkably. I think the threat... When they're going after Trump officials. ...terror has diminished. I think we still have new challenges. Do you feel like the threat of terror has diminished? ...in terms of nation... (laughs) ...state challenges. Russia, and longer term, a technology competition with China. But I do worry about some of the activity in this country were the election deniers, the insurgency that took place on January 6th. There you go. Okay, so, uh, you know, we're kind of getting the picture here, right? The election deniers, the January 6th. It's the same thing that Joe Biden espoused a couple weeks ago, which did a face plant, by the way. Most Americans don't believe that, that nonsense uh, with regard to uh, what he said about uh, Republicans being fascists and all that. Yeah, it did a face plant, but they're still doing it. Here is, uh, oh, this is Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris on uh, on the, uh, uh, the, the 9-11 hijackers versus uh, those who went to the Capitol on January the 6th. Look, we're at the 21st um, marking, if you will, of the September 11th attacks. Yeah. This was a foreign terrorist attacking our democracy, yeah. attacking this country. Yeah. We're now, as a nation, battling a threat from within. Is the threat... Are we really battling a threat from within, Chuck? Tell me exactly what threat we're battling from within. Other than, I don't know, uh, teaching kids that they're racist in school and and need to be another gender. Equal or greater than what we faced after 9-11? That's an interesting question. Um, I have held many elected offices as district attorney, attorney general, senator, now vice president. None of them earned. And there's an oath that we always take. Yes which is to defend and uphold our Constitution against... When we're not whizzing on it. ...all enemies, foreign and domestic. We don't compare the two in the oath, but we know they both can exist, and we must defend against it. There you go. (laughs) Unbelievable, unbelievable. Oh, and this is, by the way, this is something you may have heard a few months ago. This is MSNBC actually saying that uh, the rally uh, at the Capitol was uh, not caused by uh, Donald Trump. Just just the key point that, yes, there was a pro-Trump rally at which the president spoke, and we can absolutely talk about all the things the president said there. But the idea that that rally is the thing that got out of hand and that somehow resulted in the breaching of the Capitol, that rally was very far from the Capitol. And the people who, as you say, did the initial breach that allowed everybody else to come in, they never even went to that rally. Well, there you go. That's uh, that's MSNBC admitting that uh, January the 6th was an inside job, essentially. Let's go to Steve in Baltimore. He was a firefighter in Baltimore on 9-11. Steve, welcome to the Rob Carson Show. Hello, my friend. Hi, pal. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate that. You bet. Um, 
pardon me, on uh, September 11, 2001, I was a 27-year veteran of the city fire, Baltimore City Fire Department, of the captain, uh, and I thought I had seen everything. Uh, but uh, that 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 day literally changed my life. I'm I'm wearing a T-shirt right now uh, with the names of 343 New York City firefighters that died that day. And the reason I'm calling, I'm I'm not criticizing you because I I don't yeah. doubt that you heard what you heard. Yes. But the, the, the suggestion that there was some sort of a lottery to determine who goes inside is just incredibly offensive to me. Okay. Um, it, n- n- number one, there could not have been, you know, fire ground operations are what I always called controlled chaos. We okay. knew what we were doing, uh, but it, 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 it didn't look good from the outside, from outsiders or for outsiders. And, uh, you know, and if, if indeed there was a lottery, I can assure you, uh, maybe it was to determine who doesn't go inside. Yeah, yeah, and I understand what you're saying. I, 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 I you may have, uh, uh, I was not meaning to be in any way, shape, or form untoward, but uh, ultimately. Um, some firefighters went into the building, some did not, and there was some sort of a decision-making process involved with that. If I made it sound like it was some sort of a lottery, I do apologize, Steve. But what I was trying to get at was those who went into the buildings knew that they were going, none of them, nobody walked away. Nobody said, uh, I know that the building is going to come down, uh, therefore I'm not going up in the building. That's what I was trying to get at, Steve, and I apologize if, if I was in any way, shape, or form untoward with regard to your memory of the, of the event and how people ended up going up in the building versus some stayed outside. That's, Rob, if I may, you know, quite frankly, you know, that was a shift change fire in New York City. And, and part of the problem was that uh, men from the night shift as well as men from the day shift responded to that fire. Uh, and there was, there was really, and I don't want to be critical of, of, of a department, but there was really no way to control uh, who was where and when. Okay. Uh, it, it was, again, controlled chaos. But that, yeah. ordin- ordinarily, that works out very well, but this time it worked out very poorly. Yeah, Steve, I noticed uh, last night, and this is uh, kind of an aside, uh, they knew as the right as the first tower fell, I saw the battalion commander receive the news that someone said structurally the buildings uh, almost 100 percent were going to collapse right as he received word of that the first tower collapsed so uh, but uh, people did know going in at least to the second tower that uh even in the first tower they knew that the chances of them coming back were uh almost nil which i find to be incredible steve and you as a firefighter you you probably already know that but how do you react to that uh when you hear that uh many of those firefighters in fact almost all of them knew that there was a really good chance they wouldn't be coming back i suppose this is something that that firefighters you know start the day with every day outside of 9-11 what are your thoughts rob, rob that that's what we walk out the door with in the morning yeah, you man. know we yeah. know that we may not be coming home. And I, I don't mean to, to, to sound overdramatic about it, but that's the fact of the matter is, you know, bad things happen. Um, you know, we, you know, we, uh, we're firefighters. Uh, yeah. And they're, they're, it's inherently dangerous uh, for, for everyone involved. So it's just a part of the job that we accept. And, and quite frankly, you know, I, I've, um, you know, I, I've encountered folks uh, along my career, uh, 40 years, by the way, uh, if you don't want to do the job, go home. Yeah, yeah. 
So now, what did you do yesterday, if you don't mind my asking? What, what did yesterday mean to you? Rob, I, I wish I could send you a photograph. I have, I bought a banner that's lighted at night. Uh, always remember, remember, never forget. Um, I, I, I watched the History Channel all day yesterday uh, with tears in my eyes. Um, one of the things that really troubles me is that the Internet has, has kind of scrubbed uh, access to uh, the really horrific uh, events of that day. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because, I, you know, that was 21 years ago. My God, kids in high school weren't even born then. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess an app analogy, I, I wasn't born at, at, you know, during Pearl Harbor, uh, very close, but not, not during Pearl Harbor. So I, ha- I have no concept of, of what that meant to our country, uh, but I have uh, an indelible, I'll, I'll take it to my grave, uh, the, the, the emotions and the feelings I have uh, about 9-11. And it, what did you think? What did you think yesterday about uh, about people like uh, Mark Warner and Hillary Clinton and uh, Kamala Harris saying that uh, that January sixth uh, protesters and the events of January sixth were akin to what the nine eleven hijackers did to uh, thirty three hundred Americans? I don't own a gun, so I can't respond to that. All right. Thanks for the phone call. I do appreciate it, Steve. Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to spend the rest of the show on this. I just, I, I feel like if it falls on the weekend, we need to bring it up on the, on the following Monday. Because it was personal, it was profound. And the day that we just allow uh, uh, politicians to bastardize what happened and so many who died uh, from that day is the day that we forget. And we're not going to do that. We're not going to forget that. Uh, all right. So coming up, I've got, uh, I got some news. Joe Biden is paring back his uh, cancer moonshot speech. He said he was going to cure cancer if you voted for him for president. So bad news for all the dead people who voted for Democrats when Joe Biden was running. We've got that. We've got some uh, listener mail uh, on the way your phone calls as well at 800-922-6680 this is the rob carson show somebody call a plumber it's time to drain the swamp it's the Rob Carson Show. A historical event over the weekend. Bubba Wallace was able to get past institutional racism to win the uh, second Cup Series win of uh, of his career at the Kansas uh, International Space uh, or Spaceway uh, Speedway near my house. Actually, yeah, he got his second career Cup Series on Sunday at Kansas Speedway. And this, despite all the institutional racism in NASCAR that would have caused the uh, the uh, the uh, noose to be hung in his uh, in his uh, bay of his uh, car at a race a little over a year ago uh, he was able to get past that of course we all know it was a lie and and honestly this whole uh, america's racist thing i got to thinking about that a lot over the weekend and uh, how uh, what an incredible lie it has been with regard to uh, racism in america one of the many lies that the left has tried to perpetrate us on us uh, and then of course uh, one of the, the latest lies is bastardizing 9-11 yesterday to say that uh, 9-11 is just like January the 6th, which is uh, unbelievable. And remember when they did that? Remember when they did that? They said that, uh, that uh, January 6th was like 9-11. Remember that? Well, they did it again yesterday. They did it a few months ago, and I said, really, where were the, uh, the people jumping to their deaths out of the windows of the U.S. Capitol like they did on 9-11? Because about 350 people jumped to their deaths from the Twin Towers on 9-11. 
that was uh, one of the things that I, I noticed yesterday in some of the footage was these booms that the fire department were hearing and uh, and the reaction to it. And the firemen who went into that building knew that people were leaping from their deaths. Uh, and, and then I want to mention also, again, what I did earlier, 98% of the people below where the plane struck were evacuated by the fire department, while 350 members of the New York Police Department and Fire Department, mostly firefighters, died that day in the building, so that 98% of those below where the plane struck would survive. So that's pretty uh, pretty amazing. I want to mention, by the way, Dick Morris, I, we're hopefully going to get him on tomorrow, talk a little bit about what's going on with uh, Donald Trump, what's going on with the uh, raid on Mar-a-Lago. By the way, there's been some sort of debate this morning about uh, Donald Trump being back in Washington, D.C. last night, flying in. He was still wearing his golf shoes, which everybody's saying, oh, yeah, he, but he's being indicted. Uh, there's nothing to that, all right? So let's let's move off that right now. I saw one uh, one story in the uh, U.K. Daily Mail about it. So don't get your uh, don't get your panties in a bunch over that one, but anyway, uh, Dick Morris has got a new book. It's called The Return, where he charts Donald Trump's uh, uh, path to victory in 2024. Uh, and you can get the book free, by the way, if you just go to uh, Newsmax, sign up for the newsletter. It's thereturn911.com, thereturn911.com, if you'd like to uh, check out that. I don't know if you knew this, but Joe Biden uh, he is going to uh, fly out today to Boston to unveil his plan. Are you listening to this? Now, this is what Joe Biden said in. 2019 when he was running for president. Listen careful. If I'm elected president, you're going to see the single most important thing that changes America is we're going to cure cancer. Okay. Joe Biden said that. It's very cynical. Uh, it is uh, ridiculous to anyone who has someone in their lives like me who is uh, fighting uh, terminal cancer right now or anybody who's seen anyone die of cancer, which I have seen uh, happen in many times in my life. It was, it was an insult. It changes America is we're going to cure cancer. Now, the uh, President of the United States is uh, saying that now what they're going to do is they're going to slash cancer deaths in half within 25 years, which is pretty much what has been done by the medical industry uh, and uh, the medical profession. Uh, Cancer hospitals, American Cancer Society, other organizations, they're already doing that. But Joe Biden has decided to say that they're going to have, uh, within 25 years, uh, cancer deaths. So he's really basically using uh, cancer as a political weapon, uh, saying that he's going to, I guess, create some sort of uh, publicly funded uh, battle against cancer, even though uh, we've already been doing that for a very long time with a good deal of success, with a good deal of success. Oh, this is kind of interesting. Speaking of uh, people who are uh, physically, there's something wrong with them, mentally, something wrong with them. Uh, John Fetterman, who happens to be running uh, against Mehmet Oz in uh, Pennsylvania for a Senate, he actually did a speech. I, I don't know how much he spoke this weekend because the last time he spoke, he uh, was barely able to get in any words out because his brain is uh, addled because he had a stroke. Here's what he said to pander to women. Listen to this. This is about as pandery as it gets. And, and honestly, if women fall for this, uh, they're suckers. So he says his his name is John Fetter Woman, and he held up a pink T-shirt. And there are some women in the audience who who are so stupid that they'll fall for it. They'll go, oh, he said I'm John Fetter Woman. See what he did with his name? And then he held up a pink T-shirt. So he's clearly down with women's issues and all that. And then another thing that happened this weekend is John Fetterman uh, took his hoodie off. And uh, did anybody see that picture? He's got a giant lump on the back of his head. 
there's a big lump on the back of his head. He had a stroke, and now he's got a giant lump on the back of his head, and there's some inside audio. This apparently is a Mamet Oz who literally saved a woman's life in an audience uh, attended to her because she had a medical emergency over the weekend, and he approached uh, John Fetterman about the bump on the back of his neck, and this is what happened. Uh, you know, I don't mean to embarrass you, but I'm a rather brilliant surgeon. Perhaps I could help you with that hump. What hump? Let's go. Yeah, uh, John Fetterman said, what hump, apparently, is what, what happened. Let's take a break. You are listening to a Monday edition of The Rob Carson Show. We're being brainwashed in believing the only way to grow your money for retirement is to risk it in the stock market. And that's not true. You can reach your financial goals and dreams without taking unnecessary risks. Do you really control your retirement money? If you got a 401k or IRA or a similar retirement plan, the government controls it. I hate to break it to you. They decide how much you can borrow and when you can pay it back, and you'll owe taxes and penalties for taking money out too soon or waiting too long, even though it's your money. And thanks to skyrocketing national debt in Congress that continues to spend like a drunken sailor, who knows how much you'll have to pay in taxes during a retirement that could last 30 years. Bank on yourself is a better way to grow and protect your hard-earned money. With Bank on Yourself, you get guaranteed predictable growth and retirement income with no luck, skill, or guesswork needed. Your plan doesn't go backwards when the markets tumble. Both your principal and growth are locked in. Let's not forget tax-free retirement. You'll know what your tax rate will be in retirement. Zero under new tax law, which protects you from the coming tax tsunami. And finally, built-in inflation protection. Your money is guaranteed to grow by a larger dollar amount every single year in both good times and bad. You can get a free report with all the details on how the Bank on Yourself strategy adds guarantees, predictability, and control to your financial plan. Just go to bankonyourself.com slash news. That's bankonyourself.com slash news. Rush Limbaugh shared his comedy for years. Now, you'll hear it here. It's the Rob Carson Show. It is the Rob Carson Show. It's a Monday edition, and I uh, hope you had a glorious weekend with your family. 9-11, the anniversary, 21st anniversary happened yesterday. And uh, uh, for the first time in a while, I, uh, and, I don't know, maybe I was just ready for it, I... Uh, I, I shed a tear during the National Anthem. I always listen to this. I always uh, am inspired by the National Anthem. Don't get me wrong. There was something about yesterday. There was just something about it. I think maybe for the first time in a while, uh, maybe they we focused a little bit more on the 70% plus of both parties who think the country's going in the wrong direction. And uh, instead of uh, spoiled brats who can't get a job in the NFL because they're not good enough, uh, kneeling during the National Anthem and drawing all of it. It, it felt like there was the first time that I felt like we kind of shed a little bit of that. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of America hating out there. But yesterday it just seemed to me that, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just I, it, it, Things felt a little better. Maybe, maybe I'm uh, misstating. We've got a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. We've got, we've got a big fight ahead of us coming up on November the 8th, and they're going to throw everything at us every way, shape, and form. The left is going to do it. And if you look at all of the things that are happening, the totality of the madness that's happening in the country, it's all coming from the Democrat Party, and it's only going to get worse before November. 
EOTP, eyes on the prize. Coming up, uh, Kamala Harris says, and, and I don't even know why she's even being interviewed seriously, because uh, what she says is such nonsense. She says our border is completely secure, even though 5 million people have streamed across the border since Joe Biden became the president. And uh, we know that the border is open because we're not stupid, you see. Uh, Joe in Dundalk has a comment about, uh, about 9-11 and another anniversary that happened yesterday. Joe, welcome to the Rob Carson show and a good monday to you thank you rob good to hear you yes sir. i like, yes, hearing, sir. I, I, I like talking, hearing you just talk every day thank uh, you. nothing to take away from yesterday's events as tragic as they were but i want to bring uh to your attention another anniversary that happened yesterday 10 years ago it's the 10th anniversary of the benghazi uh attack yeah that nobody seems to know about and and the, uh, and the subsequent cover-up by the way yeah, and the people that were responsible for it, they were brought before Congress where they lied. And, hey, look, it was only four Americans that died. Yeah. What difference does it make? They're already dead, as she said. Yeah. What difference does it make? Remember it, that one? Oh, yeah, and it makes um, all the difference. It makes all the difference in the world. And, and as much as, as she tries to obfuscate and the Democrats try to obfuscate, they did it yesterday. They did Dear God in heaven, what they did yesterday was so sickening that they took 9-11 on the anniversary of 9-11 to go after Trump supporters is just so ungodly foul. And then if you look at Benghazi, four people were left hung out to dry we had acts of bravery that uh, would 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 uh, merit uh, statues being built that happened in uh, in Benghazi people who knew like the firefighters going up in the World Trade Center that people were going to die and they still said despite uh, unbelievable odds they went to try to rescue people in that embassy and then Hillary Clinton insulted their memory uh, when she testified before Congress and then yesterday even more insulting by Hillary Clinton with regard to January the 6th and 9th 11. Go ahead, Rob. I can tell you're more eloquent, you're a more eloquent speaker than I am. I just wanted to throw that out there, and uh, Joe, I'll let you handle the rest of it. Joe, listen, listen to me, man. What you say uh, is more powerful than anything I could say in my life. All right. Well, uh, all I can say is that uh, there were four heroes in Benghazi. Amen. Two of those, as the firefighters went charging into the towers, yeah. uh, the, the military was told to stand down. In Benghazi, but two of those fellows, uh, they were Delta operators, if I'm not mistaken. They disobeyed, and they went, and they were subsequently killed. Yeah. And uh, that was a crying shame. Those those men were heroes. Well, despite the left uh, trying to erase that memory, you remember, I remember. My listeners remember, and we will never forget. And people are going to be—they're uh, going to be held accountable for all this nonsense, Joe. You just got to keep your eyes on the prize, bro. Just got to keep your eyes on the prize. There you go. Right. Thanks for the phone call. Thanks for the phone call. So. Um, <laughs> It's funny. Uh, uh, Lori Lightfoot, uh, the left, and this is a, an example of let them eat cake liberalism, by the way. And I came up with this uh, expression decades ago when I was in Washington, D.C., uh, and, I, and I talked about uh, the, uh, we're living in a tale of two cities. We have the bourgeois. We have the proletariat. We are the proletariat. We fight for the crumbs. And, uh, and there are edicts that come from Washington, D.C., and they just say make it so, and we're all supposed to just abide by it regardless. And, uh, and they live by a different standard. They say that you must use poisonous light bulbs in your house that they 
have multiple mansions. They say that you have to drive an electric car, a piece of crap electric car, and they ride in these uh, these motorcades of big old fat SUVs in Washington, D.C. I know this because I live there. Uh, they insist that you ride uh, a bike to work. They insist that you uh, drive a crappy car. They fly around the world in private jets and say that there's climate change and all this nonsense. And then, of course, they say that we are a sanctuary city and that we would support anyone coming across the border to live the American dream until it comes to the, uh, the border of their city. 147 migrants arrived in the Windows City uh, on Wednesday of last week, and uh, and on uh, Wednesday of last week, the uh, the mayor uh, bussed them summarily to Republican strongholds nearby, to a place called Burr Ridge. The mayor there, Gary Grasso, said that uh, they'd be putting them up at the Hampton Inn because uh, despite the big talk from sanctuary cities like New York and San Francisco and uh, and uh, uh, Chicago, uh, they really aren't sanctuary cities. They just just want as many illegals to come into the country and let those people on the southern border, those border towns, deal with it. And as far as I'm concerned, I hope that uh, I hope that uh, Greg Abbott buses a million people into Washington D.C. I'm absolutely serious. 100%, because there's no way otherwise that they are going to understand the pain that they're putting the American people through, and now they have to live it in, live through it in their ivory halls and in their little neighborhoods surrounding Washington, D.C., seven of the ten richest counties in America around Washington, D.C., even though there's no manufacturing, it's all your money being distributed to cronies. And here is just the piece de resistance yesterday, Kamala Harris in Insisting with Chuck Todd that the southern border, despite all of these migrants coming across and being bussed into Chicago and whatnot, that the border is effectively closed. Do you know why she says this? Because she thinks you're stupid. I think that there is no question that we have to do what the president and I asked Congress to do. Is the first request we made, pass a bill to create a pathway to citizenship. That's nonsense. She never did. The border is secure, but we also have a broken immigration system, in particular over the last four years before we came. Then why have you introduced no legislation to actually fix the southern border rather than just open it wholesale? And another thing, why are you the border czar and you haven't been to the damn border yet? How about that? How about that for number one? If it's such a concern and if you think the border is closed, why haven't you been there? Why hasn't the president been there? Why hasn't Nancy Pelosi been there? They all went over to Ukraine because the Ukraine situation is a, is a giant retirement fund for them, in case you are wondering. Think about the amount of money that could have been uh, spent on, on problems in America versus the $60 billion we sent to uh, Ukraine. How about that? And then uh, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser is, uh, what they're doing is, they're, they're responding. Listen, this is fantastic. They are responding to illegals being sent to Washington, D.C. by setting aside $10 million to create an office of migrant services. That's what they're going to create. A, they're going to create a bureaucracy, and this is going to do something. It says, we celebrate our diversity and respect all D.C. residents, no matter their immigration status. Since uh, April of 2022, Texas and Arizona have bused 9,400 migrants to uh, the Washington, D.C. area. And what they did is they're going to take $10 million and create a government department to deal with it, which will do precisely zero, absolutely nothing with regard to uh, uh, what's going on in, uh, in our southern border. It, it is quite simply uh, remarkable, quite simply remarkable. 
And then, speaking of insanity, there's what's happening in the uh, in the state of Illinois. And uh, we've seen these uh, no-cash bail, the, uh, the issues caused by no-cash bail, the uh, gigantic increase in crime in cities like New York City. Would you go to New York City right now? Would you go hang out in New York City by yourself? Would you walk down to Times Square like I did last December? Would you, would you do that in New York City? No, I wouldn't right now. Would you uh, would you want to live in San Francisco right now? Would you want to live in uh, in uh, well, certainly not Chicago anymore. Would you want to live in any of those places? I don't think so. And yet, Illinois is uh, is created this new uh, this has passed this new uh, law that will eliminate cash bail starting uh, on January the first of twenty twenty three. So all of the smash and grabs that are going on in Chicago, all of the nonsense that's going on in places around the country, San Francisco, you can go in and steal $1,000 worth of stuff from a CVS and not be charged. They've decided to double down on it in places like Chicago and the entire state of Illinois. I don't know, as anybody who, uh, who lives in uh, Illinois, how you could justify continuing to live in Illinois. We'll get to that uh, very shortly. On the uh, on the show. Let me see what else I got here. Well, I'm gonna go with Trump. Let's not go there. I'll stick. I'll stick to this because I've got a lot of things I want to get to before as the show progresses, uh, including a special guest at the bottom of the hour talking about. But the Illinois Democrats eliminated cash bail on felonies, including. Listen to this. Does this make any sense? And this is part of the madness that I've been talking about. And Joe Biden actually mentioned, mentioned this in Philadelphia. He says things aren't normal. It was all done by Democrats. He is trying to make it uh, like it's our problem. We know it's not. But listen to this. No cash bail on felonies, including second-degree murder, aggravated battery, arson, kidnapping, drug-induced homicide, and looting. And looting. J.B. Pritzker signed HB 3653, the Safe T Act. You know, they came up with a clever acronym. It's safe with the letter T. It's not really an acronym. It's a word and then, a, then an initial. Safety, accountability, fairness, and equity. And whenever it says uh, fairness and equity, realize that that's, uh, that's communist lingo for everybody's treated the same no matter what they do, essentially. And uh, this uh, will go into law in February, transforming the pretrial detention uh, so low-income people aren't thrown behind bars while only the wealthy walk free, diverting low-level drug crimes uh, crimes into substance treatments programs and reducing excessive stays in prison, which, of course, will cause Illinois to become uh, even more of an armpit than it is right now. More on this, and your phone calls are welcome here at 800-922-6680. This is a Monday edition of The Rob Carson Show. Biden's first year in office summed up in three words. Welcome back, Carter. That's not right. It's not fair to us. And honestly, it's not fair to the world. It's the Rob Carson Show. So Illinois, for some reason, has decided to double down on uh, the nonsense that we've seen in places like New York City, which is no longer safe to really be in. Uh, San Francisco, and I don't know if you saw over the weekend, uh, uh, there's a, a group of people who are suing San Francisco. Or no, 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 that's Portland, sorry. Portland, there are homeless people camped out on the sidewalks, drug addicts, uh, drug addicts and all that stuff, uh, uh, you know, living in tents. And so handicapped people have sued the city because they can't go on sidewalks. Then in places like San Francisco, open-air drug markets, uh, uh, 
Uh, they're going to try and close those down, but apparently they've uh, they've opened up a, a Pandora's box that they can't fight. And then and then of course now Illinois literally is doubling down on all that nonsense. This is a, a brief uh, a brief montage of what is going on in the state of Illinois with this new law, the Safety Act. Uh, they did add some sound effects behind this, so don't be uh, bothered by this. But listen carefully to what the governor and the the uh, the legislator of the state of Illinois, which is going to hell in a handbasket, uh, have uh, given their thumbs up to. As of January 1st, 2023, the following things will go into effect, and people need to be aware of this. It abolishes cash bail for almost every offense. This includes, but isn't limited to, kidnapping, armed robbery, second-degree murder, drug-induced homicide, aggravated DUI, threatening a public official, and aggravated fleeing and eluding. Offenders released on electronic monitoring have to be in violation for 48 hours before law enforcement can act. They could almost drive to Alaska. Before we can even look for them. Now, this is uh, essentially ruling against the will of the uh, of the people. And if I were in Illinois, and I and I lived in Illinois for about six months, and and uh, you know nothing against the people of Illinois, but honestly, wow, I'd never live there again. And this is another uh, reason being. And this comes from like a, a starry-eyed kid. When I was, uh, let me just mention here. I was 21 years old. The first airline flight that I ever took, the first flight I took in a jet was when I was 21 years old, and I went to Chicago. And I grew up listening to the big radio stations in Chicago, WLS, and I listened to uh, uh, Johnny Brandmeier and all these great uh, personalities, and I always dreamed about living in Chicago and, and working in Chicago. And i got to tell you right now, I would never, ever live in Chicago. You couldn't pay me enough to live in Chicago, and that's a damn shame because I, it's a marvelous, it was, it was a marvelous city. The same way with New York. I went to New York for the very first time last year, and I said I could understand why people thought this was the greatest city in the world, but not so much anymore. But Democrats keep doubling down on this, and, and I have to say, uh, what's the reasoning behind it? When you look at the open border in the South, when you look at policies like this that clearly don't make any sense and people aren't behind, what's the point? Other than it's still the class of 1968 trying to tear down the country. It's still a people who are a very small minority in charge. And by hook or by crook, they are going to cause as much destruction as they can in hopes of their Marxist dream taking hold. But most probably, that Marxist dream is going up in flames so that what they're going to do is take the country down with it. This is a report from uh, from CNN last week. Uh, John Avalon. Now, normally CNN not exactly the voice of reason, but here he is talking about uh, about uh, this this uh, ignoring of violent crime by uh, states like Illinois and other states around the country, and how Americans have woken up to it. When the state legislature finally acted on criminal justice this summer, they decided to focus on semantics instead of solutions, officially replacing the term inmate with incarcerated person in state laws. Seriously, that's what they did. Now, sometimes we forget that public safety is a fundamental civil right. And it's often lower-income neighborhoods that suffer the most from high crime, while wealthier neighborhoods stay relatively... Yeah, but you see those low-income neighborhoods, they need to defund their police because the racism and stuff. Say, in fact, <laughs> black and Hispanic Democrats are more likely than white Democrats to support increased spending on local police. Shut the front door. All of those cul-de-sac Karens were wrong? That's according to a Pew survey from late last year. Look, politicizing crime seeks to gain from other people's pain. But trying to ignore crime for ideological reasons is both callous and clueless. 
and it's sure to promote a political backlash. Callous and clueless, so why even do it? <laughs> I mean, it kind of doesn't it kind of make you wonder why they're doing it? Why they would do this madness in the state of Illinois after seeing what has happened in uh, in uh, New York City, among other things, with the safety uh, account, uh, fairness and equity today? Who's down with this other than the uh, parade balloon of a of a governor of the state of Illinois and the people in the legislature? Unbelievable. And this is kind of interesting. C-SPAN the other day, they opened up the phones and a, a person of color called in from New York. And, and here's what is, uh, people of color are saying about what's going on in the country. And I don't think it's what Democrats, uh, to be quite honest, are expecting. As a New Yorker, um, for the most part, um, pertaining to law and order and issues of the country um, nationally, I believe the Republicans are better. Why? But wait a minute. They're racist and white supremacists. Don't you know that? Person of color? As a New Yorker that lived in New York from uh, Mayor Koch through uh, Mayor Bloomberg, Democrats, and particularly these days, in all honesty, as a black man telling the truth, Democratic mayors, that's black, whether they're male or female, Democratic um, police commissioners, that's black, male or female, Democratic cities, they're run into the ground. Uh, the black mayors, the black police commissioners, be they male or female, they don't really put the hammer down on crime. They're real soft on crime, as opposed to the Republicans, who, of course, are hard on crime, and they way more supportive of the police, as opposed to the Democrats, more supportive of the victims of police brutality. And this is why all the distraction in the last few weeks with the demonization of Republicans, uh, all the while J.B. Pritzker's passing this Safety Act, it's all nonsense. This is why, remember that, the walk-away movement? Those were largely people of color, 500,000 on Facebook, said they were walking from the Democrat Party because of their racism and their chrome uh, pro-crime policies. That group disappeared from Facebook right before the election. All right, coming up, we've got uh, Chris Markowski, the watchdog on Wall Street, to talk about what's happening as far as our economy. Coming up on The Rob Carson Show. Monday edition of the Rob Carson Show. Joining me uh, right now, Chris Markowski, the host of the Watchdog on Wall Street, and uh, he's on the Newsmax Hotline. Chris, how you doing today, man? Good afternoon. How are you? I'm glorious. It was a uh, a weekend where the remembrance of 9/11 happened on uh, a Sunday, and I know that you uh, you uh, were in New York on September the 11th. Um, I'd like to get just just uh, off the top of your your head here uh, where you were on 9/11 and how this year's 9/11 affected you. Because uh, for the first time in a long time, I watched an NFL game and I didn't see a lot of virtue signaling. I didn't see a lot of anti-American stuff, and particularly with regard to the game you were at yesterday uh, with the Jets, the uh, the crowd sang the national anthem quite proudly. So let's start with 9-11, where you were and where we are today. Uh, that's one thing that, you know, first for Jets and Giants, they've never really, we've never really had that problem uh, where it's it's going off the left wing uh, deep end by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the kind of, we've kind of avoided all of that. 
uh, you know, thank God. But yeah, yeah. yeah, but putting that aside, it was it was really kind of spe- it was really it was special yesterday. There's there's no doubt about that at all. And, and again, you know, you kind of you reliving things. And if I I'd have to say, the one thing that really it, it always pops into my mind that I'll never ever really get rid of. Uh, at that point in time, I was just recently married. Uh, wow. We got married in 2000, and I moved, we moved out of Manhattan, and we were out in one of the boroughs. It's an area called Whitestone in Queens, and it's a it's a great neighborhood. Tons of firefighters and police officers, and a real mix of a crowd there. And for the next, you know, several months, all I heard almost on a daily basis was bagpipes. And one, yeah. it was one funeral after another after another. It was never ending, and it's uh, that, that's probably one of the most haunting things um, for me because that'll never forget that. Yeah, and uh, well, when I was uh, in in nine eleven, I my son was eighteen months old. Uh, I was a new father. Uh, I was in Cincinnati, Ohio, when it happened. Um, and uh, uh, you know, it, I was mentioning earlier that this was the uh, the Pearl Harbor of my generation. Um, I believe you're a part, member of my generation. You're Generation Xer, uh, and and I believe that our generation really stepped up, like uh, so many had in the past, uh, with regard to uh, the the greatest generation. Uh, we, we forget a lot of the times uh, Vietnam, the men who uh, fought in Vietnam, many of them signed up for a war that a government wasn't supporting properly, and they fought as valiantly as any other generation. Our generation stepped up, went to war, uh, kicked some serious uh, rear end. Uh, now we see them wearing hats like Desert Storm and whatnot, or uh, 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 you know, Iraq war veteran, or Afghanistan war veteran. It's kind of, it's kind of strange. But I, I just, I guess, kind of felt yesterday like uh, a lot of the wokeism that we've seen kind of went out the door yesterday nationally. I, I think the first, I just maybe, I, me personally, I just kind of felt that that we didn't see the virtue signaling on the field that we have in the past. And, and uh, I think part of that might be people are just fighting back against it. And part of it, maybe the NFL just saying, you know, knock it off. What, what do you think? Maybe a little bit of both. I, I do think that our nation does have that we have our swings, the pendulum swings, and I'm, I'm kind of maybe I'm you know uh, being a little bit too optimistic, thinking that the pendulum is starting to swing in the opposite direction. You're starting to see pushback in a myriad of different places. In particular, it's coming from certain states uh, where you've got great leadership at the the local and state level. Um, where you know parents are you know are starting to, to to reclaim and win school boards, and you're starting to push back on a lot of this people are actually starting to wake up to the fact that it's just it's patently absurd it's ridiculous um it's going to take some time but you know i think that pendulum hopefully is going to continue to swing now let's talk a little bit about the uh, economy uh, where we are uh, a lot of uh still you know a lot of issues the the uh, the uh the fed increasing interest rate sounds like it's going to happen again right now what's the average on a 30 year about just shy of six percent what is that what is that doing to um the real estate market and people who were considering buying in uh, in january and what does it portend for the uh for the future the immediate future anyway well you're going to see in many markets around the country you're going to see housing prices adjust and that's that's normal um that's what's supposed to happen i mean there's an inverse relationship between interest rates and the price of a home many homes are priced in america based upon your monthly payment and what you can afford monthly and a mortgage bill is made up of principal interest taxes and insurance and if certain aspect part of that bill has to rise and in this case if it's the interest on the money that you're borrowing 
then obviously the principal is going to have to come down, which meaning that the price of homes are going to come down. Again, they're they talking about how home prices are dropping and, oh, my God, the sky's going to fall. Why is that such a bad thing? Um, you know, if my my home value, what do I care? It's not a bank. It's a bill that I've got to pay every single month and I've got to keep going. And that, that, that's what you got to take it as. Oh, granted, if you you wanted to sell soon and move, okay, you might not make as much money. But more often than not, if you hold on to a piece of property for, you know, if it's not a the speculation thing, you hold on it for about 10 years, you're going to probably do okay unless you live in some sort of crazy uh you know, a city like, you know, Portland or Seattle where they, you know, defund the police and your neighborhoods have gone <laughs> yes. to hell. Yes. But, you know, other than that, you're going to do okay. And, you know, it's how people have to ha- have a relationship and understanding money and how it works. Interest rates are going up, meaning what? The price of homes are going to have to come down. Well, and it had to correct itself. And this time, unlike with uh, 2005, 2006-ish, it wasn't because of a a subprime crisis. This is just a matter of essentially kind of out of control real estate prices that were um, where where income was not uh, matching the the price of homes going through the ceiling. So there obviously was a correction. I just kind of wonder. It was supply issues as well. When we had so many things, so many things got so expensive for home builders just, you know, to, to put up a home and that, you know, they were having to price in. We had all these supply chain issues. We have commodity price issues, all of these things. And it slowed the, the building process to a crawl, not to mention made it more expensive. Uh, you know, that led to a lot of, of it as well. It's also you also see a massive amount of people moving out of urban areas and uh, during COVID and, and, you know, going out and massive amounts of people moving to states like Texas and Florida, yeah. and Arizona and Tennessee, and they can only keep up with the homes. Um, you live in the state of New York. Um, this is kind of a, a little off topic. It sounds like Lee Zeldin is tightening up the race there. Do you suppose New Yorkers have kind of uh, have kind of figured it out with regard to not only economy, COVID lockdowns, also crime in New York City? Do you suppose that might be enough to possibly uh, cause a shift with regard to the governor's mansion in the state of New York? I don't know. It, 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 tough call. I think, you know, listen, I, I've got two more years, uh, my young, my son in you know, high school, and then I'm going to be, you know, leaving the state back, back to Florida as well. But, you know, I don't know. The, I, the demographics, I know a lot of people have been leaving the state and going to other places. I don't know how it's going to affect things. You just had you just had a progressive versus progressive election. You had the Upper East Side versus the Upper West Side because of this uh, uh, the gerrymandering thing that took place. We had Nadler and Maloney, yeah. and they went after one another. But people don't even realize, you know how many people showed up to vote? 8%. Wow. <laughs> I mean, at wow. 8%, that was it. Uh, you know, How do you think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez won her uh, seat the first time? Nobody showed up. People, I think, are kind of in many respects to say, what, you know, why bother? Um, I'm, I'm not going to even bother. I don't have to. My vote really doesn't matter. I, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, where I live, get a, you know, good mix of people. It tends to be very, very you know, much more conservative here on the North Shore of Long Island, and there's pockets here and there. How the state's going to go, I, 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 you know, it's going to be a tough call. It yeah, really is. You yeah. got your bastions of left. You got entrenched areas. You've got Albany. You've got a lot of things that makes it very, very difficult for Republicans to win in this state. Much like California, the way yeah, that they yeah. uh, jigger things there. And you're bugging out. I mean, you're going to bug out in two years. So obviously, this has got to be, I would assume, a little difficult for you because aren't you a native New Yorker? Well, I, I lived in New York. Uh, you know, I grew up 
upstate New York, and mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. Uh, started. My, you know, I went to college here, went to uh, worked in the city for a while, but I also lived in Florida for okay. uh, 15 years. Gotcha. Moved back here for my kids and school and their sports and things like that, and planning the whole time to move back as soon as they were done. Yeah, yeah. So uh, on Friday, I believe the Biden administration released like a 56-page tone-deaf report on the economy, uh, shouting to the high heavens that happy days are here again. Uh, what are you seeing? Because I know we're going to get an inflation report this week. Uh, what do you expect from that? Well, I, I think you're going to you're going to definitely see them. You know, it, I, I I like it. It's like you, if your your team's down by 50 points and you score a touchdown and it's now 50 to six and you're doing an end zone dance. <laughs> yes, I mean, you're going to probably see inflation. You know, moderate the so they were chopping down. Oh my God! It did get any higher last month. Yeah. Last month they were cheering. I mean, it's probably. You're going to see it shrink a little bit, which is great. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying yeah. it's such a bad thing. You got, you know, airline prices coming down a little bit, you know, hotels a little bit, uh, rental cars. There's going to be certain things that have come down. To me, as far as inflation is concerned, it's always the things that you, it's the stuff that you have to live on. Yeah. Um, it, it's food, it's electricity, it's your oil heat, it, it, it's stuff like coffee. Yeah. Uh, you go into the grocery store, go into a restaurant. These things are not coming down. No. Okay, they're still very, very expensive. And this stuff you have to have. Oh, gee, great. The television prices are coming down. I don't need a TV, nor can I eat one. <laughs> yes. So it's, you know, you got to take a look at inflation in a, in a different way. I've always broken things up in, re- in regards to the survival the things you need to survive on, and the other stuff. Yeah. Well, the, there was a, a survey last week that said 35% of Americans um, uh, literally do not have enough working one full-time job to pay their rent, utilities, and food. That's 35% of Americans. So as, as much as you know, the, the Biden administration attempted to do a victory dance last week, there is still an enormous amount of suffering that's going on across the country, and I don't see it getting any better anytime soon. I want to ask you real quick, kind of off topic, with regard to uh, Twitter, uh, um, over the week, last week, the uh, the former CEO of uh, Disney said that he believes the reason why Twitter is still sitting there is that a substantial number of the users are bots. You also had, it looks like Elon Musk is no longer, I don't know if he's no longer part of the deal or what's going on, but what does that say to you about, uh, about big social networks like uh, Twitter with regard to um, what they're really worth? Do you think Twitter was ever worth what they were trying to sell it for? Oh, no. I, well, again, it wasn't what they were trying to sell. It was what Musk actually offered for the thing. I mean, you could take a look at valuations in stocks all the time. I mean, that's what, kind of what I do. I, You yeah. know, when I see Peloton or Netflix at these ridiculous valuations, my job is to say, whoa, well, it's just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, you might have an interesting business, but not at that price. Um, you know, and, and again, I think, uh, you know, Musk got cold feet when it came to this. I didn't understand his thinking in the first place. Uh, when this happened, um, you know, you used to be able to hire they had people, you know, businesses in, in, in places where you could, if you didn't have any Twitter followers, they could come up with, get your bots, get you a couple hundred of them to make it look like you were popular for crying out loud. It was actually a business. <laughs> so, I mean, I, listen, I, I, I don't get it. I, I, I don't. I don't understand. I don't go on it. Uh, I, you know, I've always thought, you know, Twitter was, was just this massive sewer. It's like this. It's like the pink slime in Ghostbusters 2 that was going underneath <laughs> New York City. It yes. just makes everybody, you know, negative energy and makes everybody want to argue and fight. You can't have any sort of Socratic debate in these things. If somebody attacks you on social media, there's a bit of advice. 
ignore them. Exactly. Okay? The conversation's never going to go anywhere. Exactly. Just, it's just that simple. Uh, what are you? What is your gut telling you about the uh, the fall as far as our economy is concerned? Um, and and then if if uh, Republicans do manage to turn things around with regard to the House and the uh, Senate, what do you what do you think that's going to mean for the country going forward after November? I, again, it's difficult to call. The only yeah. there's only a couple of guys that are actually proposing anything at all. I mean, Rick Scott is one of the only guys out there that's actually saying, hey, I, this is what I'd like to do. Uh, most Republicans are, you know, not really saying much and just waiting for Democrats to screw up. That's not a plan for, no. for, for winning this fall. So everybody's got this red wave nonsense. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, you, you got to play the ball game. Yeah. Right? Uh, Tennessee Titans thought they were going to beat the Giants yesterday. Didn't work out that way. <laughs> Yay, go Giants. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I'm just saying, you know, you, you, Republicans got to get their act together. Yeah. Um, they really do. They got to take a look to see how things are done in some of these successful states. Yes. And they got to come up with something. You, you can't just, you know, run on, you know, Biden bad. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris Markowski, thanks for the time, dude. I appreciate it. Make sure to check out the uh, Watchdog on Wall Street. Go to watchdog, uh, watchdogonwallstreet.com. Uh, where else can people find you on social media, sir? Oh, I have a little Facebook fan page and all that you know nonsense out there. I'm, I'm not cool. I don't have a Snap and stuff like that. I don't know how that works. All right, my brother. Have a glorious <laughs> week. Thanks for joining me. We'll have you on again soon. Let's take a break. You are listening to The Rob Carson Show. There's only one Rob Carson on the radio. Oh, thank God. It's The Rob Carson Show. Coming up, I do want to address Joe Scarborough saying that Jesus was pro-abortion. That was pretty good on Friday. I should have covered it, but I had so much to talk about. Just had a few things to talk about. Did get a nice note from Steve. Hi, Rob. Thanks for uh, making a contact. Uh, he says, I, I, I just wanted to say your observations on your September 6th podcast about great people of color from other nations outside the U.S. making a positive impact on the world stage is practically nil, uh, with the exception of uh, Nelson Mandela and whatnot. Uh, anyway, I made the, I made the point that um, if America was such a horrible place for uh, people of color, then why are the greatest people of color in the history of mankind, why did they come from the United States of America despite it all? I mean, you look at the, the greatest people of color, black people, let's just say black people, the greatest black people in the history of the world who not only uh, changed uh, life in America, but around the world in science and entertainment and, uh, uh, you know, with regard to civil rights, Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, athletes like uh, Willie Mays, uh, Hank Aaron and whatnot, entertainment figures like Oprah Winfrey, uh, you know, politicians like Barack Obama and, and whatnot. And uh, and honestly, I'm just kind of done with all this uh, BS about America being racist. And I, and I thought a lot about this week weekend um, with regard to the country being uh, uh, called racist and... And, and honestly, uh, a lot of the things that the madness that we've experienced in the last couple of years has been uh, a long time coming. Saying that America is fundamentally racist is uh, is nonsense. And I remember originally uh, when my son was born um, that some people were starting to bandy about this white privilege thing. And I looked at my life uh, growing up and I said, uh, from the get-go with regard to white uh, privilege, uh, bullcrap. 
Um, you know, uh, Barack uh, Obama, Michelle Obama, uh, Barack Obama ra- was raised a spoiled, entitled kid. He went to the Punahou School in Hawaii with his grandparents. His father, who he wrote a uh, book about, was a uh, uh, a deadbeat loser from hell. Um, uh, my father left me when I was seven, so, uh, you know, I kind of had that going for me as well. Uh, Michelle Obama, over the weekend I was reading, she stayed at a hotel in Manhattan where the uh, the uh, the room rate for uh, the suite is $30,000 a night. And I got to thinking about uh, white privilege and all of that and, and how many people in the United States who are uh, people, who, you know, white people or, you know, maybe Asian people or well, Hispanic people, that, that's what they make per year. $30,000 a year. And uh, and honestly, that's when I it really kind of started to hit me that we've been sold a bill of goods with regard to racism in the country. Uh, and uh, yes, the country has had sins of the past. And yes, Democrats kept those policies going well into the uh, 20th century with regard to Jim Crow. But the country right now uh, and the country that I was raised in is not uh, fundamentally racist. Otherwise, uh, all of the people who I've just mentioned would never have been able to become the giant, the giants in world history that they've been able to uh, become, and so I think that's one of the things we have to put uh, we have to put aside as we go forward into the next election. We look at things that unite us as a people. Seventy plus percent of us believe the country is going in the uh, wrong direction, and I would venture to say that more and more of those people are people of color. I really, really do. So I do appreciate the uh, the note. I was going to get into uh, Joe Scarborough saying that Jesus was pro-abortion. I'm going to get into that after the top of uh, next hour. And uh, we've also got oh some new news. Apparently the uh, <clears throat> the uh, the rat who. Uh, who uh, shared the Roe v. Wade decision before it was announced has been cornered, according to uh, Justice Neil Gorsuch. We'll get to that and what is coming. The coming bombshell, uh, hopefully before the election, on the way. This is a Monday edition of The Rob Carson Show. They called us deplorables. They shut down our country. They say our thoughts are disinformation. is our response the rob carson show it is rob carson show and this is the last hour of the uh, radio program this monday i hope you had a uh, delightful weekend with your family first official weekend of uh, the nfl season and uh I, i you know i enjoyed football for the first time in a while there was a time where I didn't even watch the NFL. I was done with it. I was really, really done with it. And you know what I'm talking about because I know that you uh, felt the same way. Remember all the wokeism, all the Black Lives Matter, all of that stuff, all the virtue signaling during games. And I guess maybe partially to uh, recoup the losses caused by this idiocy, but also maybe that Americans are just tired of that nonsense, of that woke nonsense. That we all kind of, I guess, maybe, and also, uh, you know, yesterday was 9-11. So all of these things kind of came together, and I was able to, uh, I was able to return to uh, watching the NFL yesterday without um, feeling bad about it. Like, you know, did you? That's, that's kind of the way I felt. I saw a uh, 
couple of really good versions of the national anthem, and I and I saw this uh, this uh, return to patriotism, which was kind of nice. And you know, we're used to everything in our in our uh, life is being um, assaulted. Okay. Uh, the country, its foundings have been assaulted. Uh, yesterday, we had the memory of 9-11 assaulted. People, Democrats, uh, Senator Mark Warren, uh, Warner, um, uh, Hillary Clinton, among others, comparing 9-11, which is uh, singularly the most, uh, gi- the, gi- the most gigantic uh, terror attack on the history of the country, the most uh, lost lives in an attack on our country. And for some reason, yesterday, there were some people, some Democrats who said yesterday that uh, it was somehow equal to an event they created on January the 6th. What are you talking about? They created on January the 6th. A million people went to Washington, D.C. January 6th to see Donald Trump speak. Because millions of people, uh, 70 million said, huh, there's something really weird about the election and, and, you know, why did they stop the vote count on uh, the night of the election? They said in Atlanta there was a water main break, and, and the vote counting stopped, and Donald Trump was way ahead, and a lot of Republicans went to bed and said, huh, that's weird. And then the next morning we find out, oh, Joe Biden won. Because millions of ballots came in for Joe Biden almost exclusively around the country. And Mark Zuckerberg put $400 million of his own money into unmanned ballot boxes. And then Dinesh D'Souza used the same phone tracking technology the FBI used on January 6th. People on Capitol Hill to go after them. Dinesh D'Souza went after uh, mules carrying multiple ballots to different ballot drop boxes. Then the Stacey Abrams office... And other Democrat offices, and then back to the ballot boxes. Same technology, but with the FBI, it was perfectly fine. But with Dinesh D'Souza in his movie 2000 Mules, oh, that was disinformation. Disinformation and misinformation. For some reason, in the last uh, few years, uh, uh, your opinion, and, and thankfully, I think we've turned the curve on this, and I think part of it is because of this show. I'm not saying my influence is, is bigger than I, than I think it is, but I do believe it's cutting through, and it started here, saying, when the hell did having an opinion become disinformation? Well, it's because when the, when the uh, Biden administration decided that they could use a Stalinistic word to shut down countering opinions. So now... A lot of people are saying, well, you know what? I I think there was something going on with January the 6th. And you know what? I knew there was something going on with Hunter Biden's laptop. They called that disinformation. The FBI called it disinformation and stopped Facebook and and YouTube and Twitter from saying anything about it before the election. Six weeks out from the 2020 election, they shut it down. And now that same FBI that bought and paid for dossier, Hillary Clinton paid for, the FBI worked with them to get uh, a a surveillance warrant against the Trump campaign transition team and presidency to, at least during the campaign, throw the 2016 election, saying that Donald Trump had colluded with Russians. That did a face plant. But the people who were involved were the same people. And they're still in charge today. And they're still trying the same crap, except for now, people are beginning to say, you know what, this whole, uh, this whole misinformation and disinformation stuff is nonsense. We should be able to pursue the truth. And the truth is coming out 
It is coming out. So uh, this is the headline. SCOTUS Roe v. Wade mole is cornered. And you think about this. The Roe v. Wade decision was released before the decision was made official. And the reason being was because Democrats wanted to intimidate the Supreme Court justices who would vote to get rid of Roe v. Wade. That was what it was there for. And if you believe otherwise, you're an idiot. Okay? That's just it. They released it because they wanted to intimidate the justices. Don't believe me? What has the DOJ done to protect conservative justices even after one of them uh, there was an assassination attempt? Zero. You know why? Because they're not on our side. But we're going to find out. The truth is going to come out. The truth about all of this nonsense is going to come out. But before that happens, the Democrats are going to try to drag us into hell with them. That said, an investigation into 70 individuals over the bombshell leak is almost complete. Justice Neil Gorsuch revealed that the committee has been very busy. They're looking forward to their report, I hope, soon. This, this as, as, as much as it has disappeared in the rearview mirror of our, of our past recently, is going to be in the fore here pretty quickly. And I'll be curious to see who was behind it, because you got to kind of wonder if maybe there was another justice involved in this. When you think about leaking a Supreme Court leaning to the press in order to intimidate justices to make another decision, that's pretty big. That's pretty gigantic. Gorsuch did not say whether the report would be made public. Uh, justices have roundly condemned the leak. Gorsuch included and suggested it was intended to sway their decision in the abortion case. Impoffer efforts to influence judicial decision-making from whatever side are a threat to the judicial process. And the Democrat Party has done everything they can to throw everything sacred under the bus for the sake of their political expediency. I mentioned that uh, with regard to 9-11 yesterday. 9-11 is a sacred commemoration. It is about those who died that day. It is about those who gave their lives, including those on Flight 93, who went to Average citizens went to the cockpit knowing that they faced doom, but they would save lives on the ground. That was the same sort of bravery that drove those 350 firefighters to their deaths in the World Trade Center. 700 had reported half of them died. And yet yesterday, Democrats like Hillary Clinton decided they would make January the 6th, which they've been trying to pound home as, uh, as uh, an insurrection which they've been using to try to uh, label Trump supporters as fascists and anti-Democrats. This is what they do. And another person who decided to take something that is sacred to you and me, to average Americans, and bastardize it for the sake of political expediency would be Joe Scarborough. Joe Scarborough and Michael Steele and those rhinos who inhabit MSNB and S.E. Cup, S.E. Cup, I, I got to tell you guys, I don't know what drove them to forsake everything that any conservative would consider to be a lifelong commitment to an ideal. 
See, I, I'm a conservative because I have a lifetime lifetime commitment to an ideal of a smaller government, lower taxes, a, a southern border that is is strong, a strong military, uh, the, a strong uh, belief in a uh, a god. All of these things that are conservative, I would never sell them for a price, but. Joe Scarborough, Michael Steele, S.E. Cup, Larry Hogan, they have. I don't understand how you can do that. How do you do something that's fundamental in your life and turn it upside down in middle age? Is it, is it, the, is it the price? Because I'll tell you, if MSNBC called me and said, we'll pay you $20 million a year if you go on the air and you espouse everything that liberals in the Democrat Party espouse, I'd tell them to... Uh, well, I can't say it on the radio. I wouldn't do it. I don't understand. So I don't understand how how uh, uh, Joe Scarborough can say, uh, and he's a Christian, can say that Jesus Christ essentially was pro-abortion. Now, I want you to listen to this because uh, this, it doesn't get any more fundamental than this. And when you, are, uh, when you are saying something like this, something has shifted within your soul, something that is just not right. Here is Joe Scarborough. Just say, as a Southern Baptist, wow. I grew up reading the Bible, maybe a backslidden Baptist, but I still know the Bible. Jesus never once talked about abortion, never once. And it was happening back in ancient times it was happening during his time never once mentioned it for people perverting the gospel of jesus that's what he's doing right now he's doing that jesus christ down to one issue it's heresy no you know what and he talks about heresy he has no idea what he's talking about he also thinks that bible banging somehow makes you actually understand the bible and just quoting the bible doesn't mean you understand it he clearly does not he says that because jesus did not talk about abortion even though it was happening in that time that it is a tacit endorsement of, imbor- of abortion because he's not condemning it. Really? Were there abortion clinics in the year zero? I don't think so. Would, would a man who was born of a virgin mother, the child of God, espouse abortion this is the this is the level that they would sink to here's a little more from joe scarborough go if you don't believe me if that makes you angry why don't you do oh no it makes me angry it does make me angry because you're wrong something you haven't done in a long time open the bible open the new testament read the red letters you won't see it there and yet there are people wow like i said it doesn't get any bigger than uh, selling your soul for political expediency. And if you take your life as a Christian and what you take from it is that Jesus didn't talk about abortion, therefore he was, he was cool with it, is, uh, is quite honestly, it doesn't get any lower than that. It really, really doesn't. I don't understand it, and I will tell you, as long as I am a host of this show and as long as I breathe, I would never do something like that. Never, ever, ever. Now, coming up, uh, we've got a ton of stuff, including uh, the left attempting to uh, uh, bastardize uh, Queen Elizabeth Memorial. Then I'm going to get into, uh, oh, oh, vaccines. And a lot of uh, a lot of municipalities, a lot of companies are saying, you know, we don't need those vaccine mandates anymore. And, and a whole lot of young people are dying of the vaccine. We will get to that as the show progresses. You are listening to a Monday edition of The Rob Carson Show. country and aren't down with freedom of speech maybe you should move down to cuba it's the rob carson show
Monday edition of the Rob Carson Show. As much as the left tries, they're trying to erase uh, Donald Trump from history like uh, Joseph Stalin did, uh, you know, memory, members of his uh, cabinet that he sent off to death camps and, uh, and photoshopped out of pictures, uh, you know, using the technology of the time. People are trying to get rid of the memory of, uh, of Donald Trump, including uh, going so far as to question Donald Trump possibly attending Queen Elizabeth's uh, funeral, even though he was a head of state. He worked with, uh, with Queen Elizabeth, had a good uh, working relationship with her. Also, by the way, the big story this morning, uh, Donald Trump arriving in Washington, D.C., still wearing his golf shoes. That was a big story this morning. People were on the left were convinced, oh, he's got to be indicted this morning. He's so shocked he arrived in Washington, D.C. in his golf shoes. Um, they actually uh, have hit the golf course today and said that uh, the trip to Washington, D.C. was a working trip. Uh, and so uh, nothing to that, apparently, as the left was rubbing its hands. They, they said, this time we have him after two failed impeachment attempts and six years of pursuit. And, and uh, now this uh, search at Mar-a-Lago uh, under very shaky uh, conditions. We're still waiting on the results of the special master with regard to uh, the search of Mar-a-Lago. I'm keeping my fingers crossed and hopefully the judge will uh, use the special master to uh, throw the entire damn thing out because it was crooked as hell. Uh, let's go to Barbara in Baltimore this morning. Uh, Barbara joins us on, on a Monday, calling early this week. Barbara, what's on your mind today? Well, I tell you what, so much, so much is going on. Yeah, and I don't normally call in early because I like to hear what's going on during mm-hmm. the week. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so what I, caused you? What caused you to call in today, Barbara? Well, I attended um, Vince Ellison's. Uh, events yesterday Mm -hmm. and I also watched the movie from um, what's his name Um, Robert the the new movie Robert Davi's movie no the um, I think you're talking about Uncle Tom Tom oh the Uncle Tom movie yes 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 Uncle Tom 2 how was that Uncle Tom 2 is riveting really now for those who don't know uh, Uncle Tom, to explain what Uncle Tom, to because Larry Elder is uh, behind the movie, I believe one of the financiers of the movie, yes, and it talks about yes, Demo- yes. Democrats and their history of racism in America. Go ahead. I had to watch it twice, and then I and then I put it on streaming and put it in my pocket because I have a lot of work to do. Wow. And so I was listening to it a third time. Uh-huh. It's riveting because it connects all the dots about what the Democrats have done to black people. Mm -hmm. And the spear, the tip of the spear, has been racist division Mm -hmm. for everything. These people are communists. These people are communists. Marxists. Black Lives Matter, all of them. All of that is geared towards dividing this country, and now they have a new group, transgenderism. Yes. What are they doing with castrating kids? How do you castrate? Yeah, it's it's madness. Barbara, it's it's madness. They're doing mastectomies on 12-year-olds and 10-year-olds. 
It's madness. It's madness. Now, Barbara, I, when I met you, and I've had this uh, this this uh, analogy that I made for years, and that is the Democrat Party uses people of color for elections. They say they're going to turn things around. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. They're going to give you this. We're going to give you that. We're going to give you a check. We're going to give you a phone. All of this. Yeah. And then and then the day after the election, what do they do, Barbara? With the day after the election, what do Democrats do to people of color? All they do is leave a little check on the table, and they go away. That's right. They, they leave money on the dresser, and they get up and leave. So you're they saying this movie... Leave. Uncle Tom, too. But what is so, but you know what? It goes beyond that. Okay. Because what they have done with the, the legacy of what they have done in the school system, with the indoctrination, that has to be stopped. And I have to give uh, this Tuesday. Actually, it's uh, uh, a couple of days from now The Republican women of Baltimore is going to have an event about that. Just okay. say no to indoctrination. Parents, you have got to get involved about your children. It doesn't matter what color they are. Children love each other. They go to school together. Yeah. It doesn't matter about the race. Because yeah. I tell you, if we don't stop this right now, and Westmore, Westmore is a Marxist, I just pray to God every day for cops. But Dan Cox. Yeah. Now you're talking every about time, the every time he's attacked. Yeah. Every time he's attacked, I want to I want a counterattack. But I'm a yeah. New Yorker and I'm from Queens. I'm from yeah. Queens. I'm from I'm from Trump Town, baby. That's what we do. <laughs> we yeah. don't take it laying down. We, yeah. You know, when somebody hits you, you got to hit back harder. Well, Barbara, you listen. We got to we got to run. We got to run. Turning the other cheek is not going to work with you. Definitely. All right, listen, Barbara, I got to run. I got to run. Thanks for calling this morning. I want to check out that movie. Then we will uh, regroup later in the week because I one of the big things that I took from this weekend is this racism in America lie is just that. My generation was the first truly colored blind generation and uh, we were never racist it's bs it's all been bs the only racists are democrats let's take a break you are listening to the rob carson show it is the rob carson show monday edition Hope you had a good weekend. I had a good weekend. I I, uh, <laughs> I got an I got an on air light for my uh, my home studio. I was very proud of it. It was the first time that I've gone by an on air light into a studio that wasn't owned by a. Uh, a large corporate concern. <laughs> so I, I plugged it in. It's in the hall, a big on-air light. My wife came home, and she looked at it, and she goes, that's a little bright, isn't it? I'm like, oh, all right, yeah, sure, okay. But anyway, I got to do uh, on-air light. Oh, and, and, I, and I gave in. I gave in this weekend to uh, the pumpkin spice thing, you know, because pumpkin spice is always a big deal. I, walk in, I walked into Trader Joe's on Friday, and the, and the set of pump, pumpkin spice was, was so overwhelming. It's like, you ever been on, a, on an elevator with somebody who wear way too much cologne or perfume, and, and you're just like, oh, my God, and they get off, and you could still, you know, it was like that going in there. But I, I gave in this weekend, and I, I did some cooking. I made, uh, I made pumpkin muffins this week. Yeah, this is what a nationally syndicated talk show host does on the weekends. I made pumpkin muffins. That's what I, and I made locks. I made lox. I haven't made lox in a while. And my kids now have a new favorite thing. They want to eat lox on everything because, you know, uh, it's actually pretty easy to do. 
I've got about 100 cooking videos on the web. If you want to see them, I'll, I'll post them on social media. You know, I, I like to say we'll disagree on politics. We won't disagree on rib, ribs unless you're a vegan. And if that's the case, you have an eating disorder, which uh, makes vegans mad, but I don't care. So, uh, you know, we did uh, watch a good deal of the footage this weekend with regard to the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. I watched a little bit of it. Um, you know, it is, a, it is certainly a, a gigantic historical event because the people of Great Britain have uh, had her as the queen for, you know, as long as almost all of us have been alive, essentially. And uh, it, was, uh, it was pretty riveting. Uh, uh, apparently, just Jake Tapper made a lot of people uh, mad on the left when he said that Joe Biden should invite uh, uh, President Trump to the funeral, although he wouldn't need an invitation from the president, right? I don't think so. Anyway, they were, they were passing aspersions on the possibility that Donald Trump, who was the president of the United States, and a very good president, by the way, uh, would attend the funeral of a world leader who was the Queen of England, when he was the president of the United States, and uh, and so here is uh, here is the exchange that Jay, uh, Jake Tapper said. Of course, he should go to the funeral, and the left has gone bananas. That I, I, there's something that is just like fascinating me, which is the notion that it's going to be basically left up to President Biden as to whether or not he brings other presidents with him to the Queen's funeral. Oh, okay. So I guess it is up to Biden. I mean, the 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 the, the UK has made it very clear that's up to the president. He's invited, and he can bring whatever delegation. So, obviously, Obama, you know, Carter. For a wedding, Donald Trump would just crash it. You probably want to, don't want to do it to a funeral, though. Uh, Bush, no-brainers. What about Trump? Will he invite... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, listen to this. President, he's invited, and he can bring whatever delegation. So, obviously, Obama, you know, Carter, uh, Bush, no-brainers. Oh, those are all no-brainers to invite them, but Trump... What about Trump? Will he invite Trump? We'll see. I mean, that is a difficult uh, question of protocol of diplomacy, but I am told... No, no, no. It's, it's history, actually. And uh, this president should be able to put aside those differences so that a former president could visit the, uh, the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II. By a couple of diplomatic officials that, uh, look, the, the uh, Buckingham Palace is leaving it up to every country individually. I mean, imagine the nightmare of trying to be former presidents and former you know, defense ministers, but in the... In this case, it would be an easy solution if Trump wasn't in the picture. We'll see what they do. I mean, President Obama, when he was in office, he invited a President Bush, President Clinton, President Carter to go with him to Nelson Mandela's funeral as part of, of the delegation. So there is protocol for having U.S. presidents invite other But I doubt President uh, Biden will have the decency to uh, do something like this. And if I were Donald Trump, I'd say, you know what, who cares? If you're up to it, I don't really care. But here's what people online said. They said, what the actual F is going on with Jake Tapper? Uh, hey, Jake Tapper, not sure you're aware, but this, uh, this, but the last president tried to overthrow our government as being investigated for espionage for sealing national security secrets to his retirement home. Hey, actually, it's his home. He's got several homes, and he had this before, uh, and he's not retired yet because he's probably going to be the president in uh, two years, if not sooner. So uh, there you go. But that's the tasteless, tactless nonsense you expect from the, uh, the left in, uh, in times like this. And uh, I'm assuming it probably went off uh, Donald Trump's back like uh, water off a duck's back, to be quite honest, because it's uh, nonsense. This is kind of interesting with regard to... Uh, the COVID vaccine. Have you noticed on television there are a lot of uh, PSAs still running for booster shots? 
Have you? Uh, are you motivated by these? Is any? Do, I don't know anybody who's been motivated. I've got uh, my two kids. Uh, they each had a vaccine. I uh, I didn't want them to have a vaccine, but they decided. My daughter was not was old and not enough, old enough to make her own decision. She was sixteen. She opted for it. Her mother was in uh, in favor. Of, I said, "Well, it's your your decision." But I did not get the uh, get the vaccine, nor do I plan on getting the vaccine, by the way. But according to a, a report from Axios, Goldman Sachs announced last week that uh, uh, last month, no employee except for those working in New York City will be subject to a vaccine as a precondition of their continued or future employment. I thought that was kind of interesting because last year, uh, getting the, uh, the virus was a sure, surely a death sentence. International sports and footwear giant Adidas, based in Germany, dropped its vaccine mandate. That's kind of interesting, right? Adidas followed in the footsteps of Starbucks and Intel, which had both uh, already abandoned their vaccine mandate. Cisco and J.P. Morgan Chase also changed their vaccine mandate policies this summer. Have has the military? Has the military? Kind of interesting, wouldn't you say? This is uh, uh, this is Corinne Jean Pierre on Friday talking about the newest round of vaccines. Which, by the way, no other no other vaccine in U.S. history has required so many boosters and whatnot. And I think most people are saying uh, nonsense. But here is a KJP. Thank you. Uh, you've been referring to this new shot as the updated COVID nineteen vaccine. Can you explain a little bit more the decision to no longer be calling it just a booster? Well, we, we have to remember, we haven't seen a, a vaccine, a new vaccine since December uh, 2020. Uh, our health and medical experts made an independent determination that we now have new updated vaccine, as you just said, to fight COVID. It is the are you buying any of this? Is anybody buying any of this? If you've had one or two boosters, are you saying you really need another booster? First time that we have seen this type of up- updated vaccine, like I said, since December of 2020. And if you and the message to folks that we are we're, we are providing is if you're 12 or older and it's been at least two months since you last got a shot, you should get. Wait a minute. If it's been two months since you had your last shot, they're telling you that if you haven't had a shot in two months, you need another shot these new updated vaccines right away that's the doctor's advice and they which doctor i want to know which doc which doctor which doctor that's funny made this decision independently yeah uh who's buying it honestly uh, who's buying it at this point and what are they trying to do at this point other than you know enrich big pharma i guess i did see this kind of interesting uh, survey over the weekend and uh and this is a concern that I've had. I'm not a, I'm not a vaccine conspiracy theorist, uh, although I've never been. I've always been from the very beginning of this pandemic. You've got to protect those who are vulnerable, those older people, people who are uh, immune compromised, people we discovered who are overweight or have diabetes, uh, you know, as, as maybe flu would infect those people in a much worse possible way, then, uh, then certainly you'd need to consider COVID uh, to be uh, something that would be very dangerous to people who already have pre-existing conditions. But I want you to listen to this. 1,100 athletes died from a sudden death from the years 1966 to 2004. All right? And I'm just, I'm just going to lay this out here. I'm not trying to... to uh, uh, make a judgment here about whether you are got the vaccine or not. That's your business. Uh, am I concerned about my kids getting the vaccine? Oh, hell yes. 
100% I'm concerned about my kids who got the vaccine. And it isn't because I think they're going to get COVID. I just hope and pray that the the vaccine hasn't caused anything else. But 1,100 athletes died suddenly between 1966 and 2004. Since January of 2021, 671 have died. Okay? 673 died over... uh, the 16-month period since COVID vaccines had been introduced, okay? 18-year-old high school athlete, 24-year-old Irish soccer player, 27-year-old doctor and triathlete in the uh, medical journal, I believe this is Lancet, entitled Sudden Cardiac Death in Athletes, the Lausanne Recommendations from 1966 to 2004, Sudden Cardiac Death occurred in 1,101 reported cases in athletes under 35, those people had uh, congenital uh, heart disease, cardiomyopathies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But since 2021, athlete deaths have risen dramatically. Here's the most recent. Senior football player, Rahe High School uh, in New Jersey, 17-year-old. Ali Muhammad, found dead uh, by his father, did not wake up for school. We know that there was a uh, world champion cyclist, Rab Wardell. This just happened a few weeks ago in Scotland. He was crowned Scotland's mountain bike champion, uh, and he died of heart failure at age 37. August 24th, suffered cardiac arrest while lying in bed with his partner. 24-year-old hockey player, forced to retire due to sudden heart inflammation, among other things. That's happened. Kind of interesting. 21-year-old college football player in Arkansas died suddenly after collapsing. Uh, This is a senior defensive lineman from uh, Uchida Baptist University, OBU. 21 years old, died last Sunday after a sudden collapse. Am I concerned about uh, those who've been vaccinated? Uh, Sure. Um, Do I believe we need to find out more before we make official judgments about it? Absolutely. Is questioning the vaccine disinformation? Absolutely not. But it's worth bringing up. Now, coming up, I do want to share um, what's going on with the Boy Scouts in America, what's happening with uh, our schools and uh, pedophilia. Also, uh, we live in a country that is so not racist, uh, people have to make up incidences of racism. Another one, uh, we'll talk about that coming up after the break. You are listening to The Rob Carson Show. If you're down with trigger warnings, you might want to listen to something else. It's the Rob Carson Show. You're talking about the uh, vaccine and how many young athletes are uh, dying. And and honestly, you know, and, and for a while there, we couldn't even question that because, you know, what the government wants to censor, it calls disinformation or misinformation. The government actually set up this site called the uh, Vaccine Averse Event Reporting System. And to date, 31,482 people have died um, after receiving the COVID vaccine. Now, uh, you know, we've got a lot to learn about this, certainly. But uh, realize that when, like, for instance, uh, a few weeks ago, the CDC said that they made a lot of mistakes 
and uh, expected us to kind of just let that go, right? Like no big deal. But now evidence is coming out. I'll have more on this tomorrow. Uh, there's more evidence coming out that uh, the CDC inflated the number of COVID deaths by about 88 to 94 percent to cause panic lockdowns and masking. And, uh, and like I said, this all started in 2020, and I said 2020 happened because it was 2020. I'll have more on this. But all, all the truth is going to come out about misinformation and disinformation. Just realize anything that's been called misinformation and disinformation in the last two years was probably true. Just, you know, if you're looking for an easy way, oh, yeah, the government said Hunter Biden's laptop disinformation. Yeah, probably true. Uh, Donald Trump didn't, uh, didn't uh, you know, work with Russia to throw the election. They, they called, uh, Don, you know, uh, Donald Trump uh, and Hillary Clinton uh, disinformation. It was disinformation to, to say that Donald Trump didn't collude with Russia. We found that was a lie, so it's going to happen. Um, last Thursday, Delaware Judge Lori Silverstein approved the Boy Scouts of America $2.46 billion reorganization plan to compensate individuals who say organization leaders sexually abuse them as children. I'm assuming that uh, many of these claimants are probably uh, my age. Uh, Boy Scouts of America filed for bankruptcy protection in February. Did you realize that 80,000 men filed claims against the BSA alleging they had been abused as children by the organization's leaders and volunteers? We've got a uh, what appears to be a uh, an epidemic of... Um, Pedophilia, the sexualization of children has been going on for decades in our country. One of the, the main uh, platforms of my, uh, the planks of my platform as a, as a broadcaster are uh, the protection of children from child abuse, um, protection of women against spousal abuse, fostering and adopting and all of these things. It's always been very strong in my life, but there are uh, evil forces, I think, in, in the country, in the world that are uh, attempting to sexualize our children. It looks like the uh, Boy Scouts of America. Uh, I mean, I don't even really not to say. Generally, if 80,000 people have filed claims of sexual allegations, then something fundamentally is wrong with the organization. I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of people who are in, uh, in Boy Scouts. I know a lot of troop leaders and scouts who are very proud members of the Boy Scouts. And I, uh, I guess I don't understand how something like this could have happened, to be quite honest. A little bit of sanity. The Boise Pride Festival has lost its uh, at least one sponsor over inclusion of its drag kids show featuring kids as young as 11 years old. Here's a little bit from the news story last week where the uh, Pride show, which makes you kind of wonder what some members of the LGBTQ, uh, uh, you know, People are, uh, you know, what they're proud of. They are, of course, on top of it and doing everything they can. But we talked with the executive director. Uh, the levels are a little low. Let me just say it. Uh, apparently, they have decided to uh, cancel the, uh, the child performers because of increased safety concerns. Now, that's from the people who put in charge the event, but that's not really the case. You see, uh, the, uh, the people who found out about it realized this was profoundly wrong, and so sponsors are going, we were really wrong. The people who put together this insanity, including a child's drag show, are citing increased safety concerns because they want to do passively aggressive, blame it on the other side for saying, hey, stop sexualizing children. 
while the vast majority of uh, sponsors and supporters have voiced their support for the Boise Pride Festival and Drag Kids program, they have decided it's very difficult, but they have decided to postpone the performance due to safety concerns. The kids who are going to perform have the enthusiastic support of their community and support and consent of their parents. That's from the organization. Here's what the sponsors said. Zions Bank said in a statement posted uh, late last week, when we committed to our sponsorship of this year's Boise Pride event, we were unaware of the event's activities involving children and minors. Since learning these specific activities, we made the decision to withdraw our participation in this year's Boise Pride event. Doesn't sound like a hate coming from conservatives. It sounds like they just went, we had no idea you were going to do this crap. The uh, Idaho Department of Health and Welfare also bowed out of its support for the festival. Uh, They said, the spokesperson said, DHW sponsorship, the Boise Pride in 2022 has led to some confusion about whether DHW endorses specific event activities involving minors during the event. And they withdrawed both its orange level sponsorship and uh, will no longer be supporting a booth at uh, the events this weekend. So apparently there's been a little bit of backlash uh, and it appears uh, that like with so many of these things, when the light of day comes to it and we realize what's happening, people say not only no, but uh, but hell no. Uh, Let's take a break. Come back. Wrap things up on this Monday. You are listening to The Rob Carson Show. By the way, Uh, BYU has conducted an investigation looking into allegations made by a Duke volleyball player, Rachel Richardson. She said that a fan was hurling racial slurs at her during a match on August the 26th, said that somebody was screaming the N-word at her, and they looked into it. Of course, they uh, immediately uh, went after a a guy who supposedly said the thing. Uh, Here's the deal. Nobody would say that in a crowd, and if they did, they would have been removed. It was all based on nonsense, and this woman's godmother apparently has a history of racism. So uh, racism is a, is a line, is a bunch, of, uh, a bunch of BS. Time for me to go, guys. Have a glorious day. God bless you and your family. We'll be back again tomorrow. In the meantime, whatever you do, don't catch the stupid. See you tomorrow. Bye.